everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor Study. Let me ask you a question. Can you think, is there any place in the Bible where God ever wore a hat? Now you think on that. Any place in the Bible, God wore a hat. Some people put this hat on God, and they think God is the celestial policeman. And God's main job is to find people sinning and punishing them. Other people put this hat on God, and they think God is the celestial fireman, and God's job is to run around the universe putting out fires for people. Other people put this hat on God. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. God is here to do whatever you want. God's kind of like Santa. So our prayers go, give me this, God. Give me that. Give me this. And God's job is just to do whatever you want. But there's only one place in the Bible where God wears a hat. Can you think of it? Let me show you God's hat. The crown of thorns. This was God's hat when he came to this planet. And what I want to do for this half hour is to ask the question, why did God wear this hat? There's six reasons. Would you take out your Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 1, and let's learn the six reasons he wore the crown of thorns. Let's pray first. Father, we pray now as we look at the sufferings of Christ and why he wore that thorny crown. God, if there's somebody who doesn't understand salvation, may they listen to the whole show. And Lord, for those of us who do understand it, just deepen our respect and our love for Christ for wearing that hat. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Colossians chapter 1, six reasons God wore that hat, starting at verse 13. For he, God the Father, delivered us from the domain of darkness. The first reason Jesus wore this hat was to deliver us from darkness. Just like a policeman wears this hat to deliver us from robbers, and just like a Fireman wears this hat to deliver us from the fires. Jesus wore this hat to deliver us from darkness. I've been a pastor for 39 years now, and I get to hear so many wonderful stories when people tell me what they were like B.C. and how now Jesus has rescued them from darkness. That's the first reason he wore that hat. Let's look at the second reason. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. He delivered us from darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. The second reason Jesus wore the crown of thorns was to give us a new king, Himself. Transfer us into His kingdom instead of the devil's. 
Uh, 39 years ago, when I became a pastor, my first church was down in Florida, working under a senior pastor who was a very spooky man. Uh, he was an alcoholic. He lied a lot. After I left that church, it turns out he swindled the church out of hundreds of thousands of dollars. It was a miserable time of my life, and I came back to Minneapolis kind of going like this, and I got a new church and a new senior pastor to work under. And I said to the new senior pastor, you know, I've been burnt by my authority. I might act kind of weird toward you for a while, and he kind of looked like this, but the new pastor was a wonderful man of God. He loved the Lord. He wasn't in the ministry for money. He loved Jesus. And it's like I had gone from hell to heaven. Do you know the second reason Jesus wore this crown was to get you away from your old boss, the devil, who was killing you, and to give you a new boss, a wonderful boss, who loves you this much. Second reason he wore the crown was to give you a new king himself. Third reason he wore this hat, this is kind of the big one, verse 14. In Christ we have redemption. That means to pay a price to set a slave free. In Christ we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Here's the third reason he wore the crown. To bring us the forgiveness of sins. In India, a little girl was bitten in the arm by a cobra. Sunk its fangs into her arm. Her brother saw it, runs over, sucks the poison out of his sister's arm to save her. He didn't realize he had an open sore in his mouth. The poison went into his sore, killed the brother, but it saved the little girl. That's what, Jesus, that's what redemption means. Jesus paid the price. I, I deserve the wrath of God. I deserve hell. I deserve poison. Jesus took that punishment for me on the cross. He paid for our sins so that we could be saved. That's the big reason he wore that hat, was to make our redemption price and to save us from hell. Verse 14. In Christ we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. All right, now let's do a detour and ask this question. Who is it? That wears this hat. Who exactly is Jesus? All right, Colossians 1 verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. That's who Jesus is. He is the firstborn of all creation, for by him Christ all things were created, both in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created by him, by Jesus, and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that in everything he might have preeminence. For it was the Father's good fullness, uh, pleasure for all the fullness, that means the fullness of God, to dwell in him. So the question is, who is Jesus? The answer is, Jesus is God. Look at those verses. Those are the verses that if the Jehovah's Witnesses come to your door and tell you Jesus is not God, you might want to write those down. Those are just some of the verses that teach that Jesus is God. 
All right, back from the detour, back to why he wore the hat. He wore the hat to get us out of darkness, transfer us to a new boss. He wore the, dar uh, the hat to redeem us and give us the forgiveness of sins. Next reason is verse 20, why he wore the hat. And through Christ to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. The next reason he wore this hat is to bring us peace with God. Now, I've shared before how C.S. Lewis said, do you want to know how to wreck a fancy dinner party? C.S. Lewis said, wait till there's a lull in the conversation and then bring up the word Jesus and watch people get nervous and change the subject. <laughs> Have you ever wondered why the name of Jesus makes people so nervous? I think it's because deep down people know they don't have peace with God and they don't want you reminding them of that. But isn't that crazy? Because the only way you get peace with God is by Christ and his death on the cross. But one reason he wore this thorn crown was to finally bring you the forgiveness of sins and peace with God. And you know, some people are drawn, to, when, when they see that you have something they don't, that draws them to Christ. First time anybody ever asked me about my faith, I was 16 years old at a party. And a girl comes up, Tom, I'm not a Christian, but I heard you are. I want to know how I can become a Christian. And so, you know, if you having peace with God can be a real door opener for sharing Christ with people. Another reason he wore this hat, verse 21. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaging in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. The next reason he wore this hat was to make us holy. Like the battle hymn of the Republic says, as he died to make men holy, let us live to make men free, as God is glory, glory. He died to make us holy. When somebody wants me to baptize them, I explain what baptism is, and here's what baptism is. This finger is you and me. We're sinful, we have sin on us. Let's say this hand represents God. On judgment day, you will stand before God. If he sees sin on you, you don't go to heaven because heaven is perfect. And if you're sinful, you don't get into heaven. But the problem is we're all sinful. So in baptism, God washes away our sins. And then it says in Galatians chapter 3, that as many of you as have been baptized have clothed yourselves in Christ. So now when God sees me, he doesn't see my sin anymore. He sees Jesus' life of 33 years of perfect obedience. Christ's righteousness is imputed to me, and I am holy in God's sight, ready for heaven. Another reason he wore this hat, verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith firmly established, in other words, you need to believe in Christ till you die, uh, and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard 
which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made an apostle. Another reason, according to that, he wore the crown of thorns was to give you hope. But again, it says you've got to continue in your faith. Years ago, <clears throat> a 13-year-old girl was confirmed at my church. And she did what everybody does. You get in front of the church and you say, I'm going to follow Jesus now for the rest of my life, and I confirm my faith. Well, then, and this is the tragedy of, of being a Lutheran pastor, it grieves me so many students you never see again after they're confirmed. And I didn't see her. After a few years, I heard she was into drugs. And then I heard she was living with her boyfriend. And then later, I heard she eventually got married and had a baby. And then she got divorced. And then I heard she was living with another boyfriend. And I watched this on the evening news in Minneapolis. After a night of drunken partying, her live-in boyfriend killed her. And the mom called and said, Pastor Tom, will you do the funeral? And I said, okay. But, you know, it's hard to do a funeral like that. I, can't, I couldn't stand in front of everybody and say, we know she's in heaven. It didn't look good. So you've got to be very delicate how you preach. But you know one reason Jesus wore this hat, according to that verse in Colossians? Well, so you can have hope. So that when you have a funeral, your pastor can get up and say, there's all kinds of hope because he or she continued in their faith in Christ. Let's review here what we've learned. God only wore a hat once in the Bible. Here it is. And he wore this hat, number one, to rescue you from darkness. Number two, to give you a new king. Number three, to bring us the forgiveness of sins and make redemption. Number four, to make us holy. And number five, to give us hope. Now, one last thing. This is kind of a strange verse. Listen to the next verse, Colossians 1, 24. Paul writes, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh, my body, I do my share on behalf of Christ's body, the church, in filling up that which is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Lacking in Christ's affliction? Is something lacking in Christ's affliction? What does that verse mean? Well, I don't think it means that his suffering is insufficient. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he said, It is finished. So as far as our salvation goes, his afflictions are more than enough. So what does he mean when he says, Paul, I says, Paul says, I'm making up for the afflictions that are lacking. Well, look at the next verse, um, verse 25, uh, 20, 20, where are we? Verse 25, of this church I was made uh, a, 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 a minister carrying out fully the preaching of the word of God. That's what Paul's talking about. Jesus' sufferings are complete, but getting the word out is not complete. And Paul is saying, I'm willing to suffer now to get the word out to the world of Christ's sufferings. So here's the last, the last point today. Jesus says, are you willing to wear my hat? Meaning, are you willing to suffer in order to get the word out? A new Indian convert was invited to speak on stage at an evangelical rally in India. Because he was a former Muslim, 
he was considered apostate and therefore under a death sentence under the law of Islam. He spoke to the crowd about Jesus, whom he had come to know. Many in the crowd were hostile and shouted, stop speaking immediately or we will kill you. The man replied, if you kill me, I will live again on the last day with my savior, Jesus Christ. When he finished this statement, a Muslim rushed from behind and stabbed him. The crowd went wild and attacked the other people also on stage. They were beaten. The new convert was taken to the hospital and died three days later. There's a, a person who was willing to wear Christ's crown in order to get the word out. There was a old Presbyterian minister in Scotland who was asked to come be the guest preacher and to preach on the importance of world missions, getting the word out. The story goes, this old preacher gets up in the pulpit and starts preaching on the urgency of, of evangelizing the world, has a heart attack in the middle of his sermon. They take him down from the pulpit, rush him back to the uh, lobby of the church. Finally, he comes to and he says, where am I? Well, you were preaching. Oh, that's right, preaching on world mission. Get me back in the pulpit. And they said, you can't finish that sermon, it'll kill you. And he said, you don't understand. If I don't finish that sermon, it will kill me. <laughs> the question we ask for you that the Lord would ask for you, are you willing to suffer to get my word out? Are you willing to suffer for people making fun of you at work? Are you willing to, to suffer and give money that you would have used on something stupid and take that money and send it to world missions? Are you willing to suffer to get the word out. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, can you explain the word redemption and what it means? Yes. Paul, well, the apostle who wrote Colossians, there was a slave trade in the Roman Empire. You bought slaves. And now and then, someone, if you were a slave, someone would come and pay your redemption price. He'd pay your master to make you a free man. So to redeem something means to pay a price to set a slave free. We were the slaves to sin. Jesus paid our sin debt to appease God's wrath and transfer us into heaven. So is Redeemer yeah. When we say Jesus, that? when we say yes, it does. When we say Jesus is our redeemer, we mean he paid my price to save me from sin. And you know, I should tell you too, the the whole thing about the the hats, I want to give credit. There's a, a, a wonderful teaching uh, series called Crossways by Harry Went. He's the one that came up with that whole thing. But if Crossways is a is a good thing to take to your church. Okay. Did the disciples really understand that Jesus was God? They did not. I was going to say. No. Peter came to understand and the disciples came to understand that he was the Christ. The Old Testament prophesied one. The word Christ is not Jesus' last name. <laughs> Jesus Christ means Jesus is the Christ. The word Christ means Messiah in Hebrew and it means the anointed one to say that it was prophesied. They, they came to understand that. They didn't understand he was God, I don't think, till after the resurrection because it was after the resurrection Thomas says to Jesus, my Lord and my God. That's when the light bulb went on. But Jesus was always he's, God? He's always been God, yes. Okay. Yeah. Now, but why does it say Jesus is the beginning 
and the firstborn. Right. If you read Colossians chapter 1, it says Jesus is the beginning, which also can mean ruler. Uh, again, all Christians believe Jesus is fully God, eternal with the Father and the Spirit. The cults, like Jehovah's Witnesses, believe Jesus is not eternal. He was created. They think that means that Jesus had a beginning, a point in time where he started existing. That can't be what it means because God never started existing. God has always been. The word beginning, he's the beginning of the creation in the sense that he gave it the, the, the beginning. He is the ruler over it. The Greek word can also mean ruler. So those are uh, how I would handle that. Okay, two-part question. Mm -hmm. Was Jesus always a man, and is Jesus still a man? Okay, Jesus was always God with the Father and the Spirit for eternity. That, and that's where, I'll add this, that's where the Mormons are messed up. Okay. Mormons are also a cult. They don't believe God is eternal. They believe God became God on another planet. He was a man. And that's why the Mormons teach, if you're a good Mormon, you can become a God and get a universe to worship you. It's a strange religion. But anyway, Jesus was always God. He was not always man. He became a man at Bethlehem. That's when he became the God-man. Now your question, is he still a man? Well, he's a glorified man. When he comes down in the clouds at the second coming, he's not going to look like a horse or a cow. He's going to look like a man. He's still going to have the wound prints for us to see for our salvation. So he's a glorified man. So in a sense, the answer is yes. Okay. So which denominations teach that Jesus is God and which uh -huh. denominations deny his birth? You've talked about yep. the Mormons. Yep. I'm a Lutheran. Lutherans, Catholics, Methodists, Baptists, Presbyterians. All Christian denominations believe in the Trinity, believe in one God and three persons, and Jesus is God. The cults get that messed up. Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe in the deity of Christ. Mormons believe in thousands of gods. Uh, New Age people think they are God. I mean, Oprah says she's a Christian, but she's kind of New Age. And she said, quote, Jesus did not come to earth to found a religion. Jesus came to earth to get us in touch with our own inner Christ consciousness. In other words, we're God, we are Christ. No, 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 so. Okay. If Jesus reconciled us to God, do you reconcile God to us then? Right, the, the, that, that question is, all right, Jesus reconciled us to the Father. Is there any sense in which Jesus also reconciled the Father to us? I think both are true. The problem on our side was our sin. We didn't want God and we, we were in rebellion. The problem on God's side is his holiness. He's a holy God. He has to punish sin. So the death of Christ reconciles us and God the Father and you know Jesus himself in that he pay, makes the payment to satisfy his own wrath and holiness against our sin. Okay, so this is a kind of a two-part question again. You talk about the imputed righteousness of Christ mm -hmm. and the imparted mm -hmm. righteousness of Christ. Mm -hmm. What exactly what do we have going on here? When, when I did the whole thing about baptism, that when I'm baptized, the Bible, here's me and here's Jesus. The Bible says when you're baptized, Galatians chapter 3, you have clothed yourself in Christ. So when God looks at me now, he doesn't see sinful Tom Brock. He sees 33 years of perfect obedience. The perfect life Jesus led was imputed to me at my baptism. So I'm perfect in God's sight. Uh, that's what's called the, imp uh, the imputed righteousness. The imparted righteousness of Christ means he is 
bit by bit cleaning me up and making me. He's imparting his righteousness to me, but it's hit and miss this side of heaven. One day I'll be totally uh, perfect, but what saves us is his imputed righteousness. You know, Tom, we've got so much persecution going on in that right now. Mm -hmm. You know, and I have to honestly say that I think I'm afraid that I might deny Christ mm -hmm. if I was ever persecuted. Mm -hmm. Is that wrong, or what can a person do? Well, I have do? that fear too. And you know, I'll tell you, um, Jackie, once a month, one, uh, normally once a week, I pray for the persecuted church. People can go to persecution.org and get this free magazine telling you the horror stories of what's happening, especially in Muslim lands, to Christians of the, of the, of the church. Um, what I do, Jackie, I pray about once a week for the persecuted church. And I always almost now say, and Lord, if that happens to me, please give me the grace not to deny you. Because I don't want to, if somebody put a knife to my throat and said, curse Christ or die, I want to die at that point. Now, would I have the strength to do that? In myself, probably not. So I think right now we pray, pray for them who are experiencing that, then pray for yourself. God, give me the grace never to deny you. You know, my last question is kind of a confusing one because of the things you've said here. But is there anything that Christians in America do for those who are being persecuted yeah. overseas? Yeah. Um, I'll, 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 there, you there, talk about this magazine. Yeah. There's two things I do. I get this magazine, persecution.org, it's free. And I, I look at this magazine, I pray for them. That's the main thing I do. But then some of my money goes to this place because they have a fund that helps the suffering wives and children while dad is in prison for his faith. They, they help with the families. They also help with the underground church. So there's a lot we can do, pray, give, uh, and, and be informed. You know, it, it's scary though because you think you're strong in your faith and yet, you know, I'm sitting here after listening to your sermon thinking, could I really do that? I know. I, you know I, That's why we need the Lord, because in and of ourselves, we won't. I'll, I'll slip in a second if the Lord doesn't hold me up. <laughs> well, Tom, we're down to our last minute. Yeah. And, you know, we just want to thank people for their support and watching this show. Mm -hmm. It's amazing to me when I go out and somebody says, I saw you on TV, to think that we've been doing this for 20 29 years. years. Yeah. And we wouldn't be where we are today if it hadn't been for you and your support. Mm -hmm. And we pray that God will be with you this week, granting you his richest blessing. And can I butt in? We got 20 seconds. Thank you for giving because we almost had to pull out some of our markets because the, the funds weren't coming in. Thank you for giving because now we're able, we're going to actually expand and reach more cities now. So thank, thank you. So God be with you until we're together again next time. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by the pastor's study, 
Would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorsstudy.org, two S's, or mail a check to the Pastor's Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week.